What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Another episode, Unstoppable RAI Wealth. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm interviewing a young track star. This dude's 24 years old. Max Vomir, guy's from Germany. He was a track star. The guy was absolutely crushing life. And at 24, get this, he's got 35 employees. He has multiple businesses, and he's been doing the wholesale fix and flip and commercial real estate business only for two years and he's literally got his shit dialed in. You can learn a lot from what he's speaking about on this podcast. If you're a young guy and you have, uh, you think you have no time because you're going to school and you don't know what to do, this dude built the business when he was still going to college, hustling on the side. Great interview, young stud, knows what he's doing. I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to Unstoppable Real Estate Investing Wealth. My name is Billy Alvaro, AKA the Unstoppable VA former billion-dollar mortgage banker, gone bankrupt, turned professional real estate investor, where each week you'll learn the tools, strategies, systems, and secrets myself and other highly successful real estate investing entrepreneurs use to start, grow, and scale their businesses, creating massive profits and how you can too. And we'll teach you how to put those profits to work so you no longer have to. Get ready to finally experience financial freedom and generational wealth. Now, let's get started. What's going on? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode, Unstoppable RI Wealth. I'm your host, Billy Alvaro, the Unstoppable VA. I'm here to bring you the heat. You know, if you've been watching the show for any length of time, I bring in guys that are starting, growing, and scaling their real estate investing business. I don't have too many guys that are on this show that are in the scale phase at such a young age, like my next guest, Max Velmir, is. Max is, what are you, 24 years old? Yeah, I just turned 24. 24 years old. He's in the Tampa area. The guy's investing in wholesale, fix and flip. He's got a construction company, title company. At 24 years old, Max, everybody's going to want to know. And you have 35 employees. How in the hell are you doing it at such a young age? That's a good question, right? Uh, a lot of work. I can tell you that definitely endless hours, endless days. You know, you know the game in the, in the entrepreneurial space. But I think it's the one important thing is, you know, the commitment, consistency and surrounding yourself with people, like minded people. And I always say you're only as good as the people, you know, right, where we started to where we are today is all because of the right people, the right network, the right connections. And, you know, you, you can only get go so far these days without having mentorships, having people around you that get you to the next level. So all the scalability. You know, when we initially started, we were good in, in doing real estate ourselves. It was just me and my wife. But at some point, going from there to actually building a business, right? You, you don't learn those things in schools. So you had to educate yourself. You had to surround yourself with people that have done it, see how they have done it. And, you know, re, re, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to basically understand, you know, how can I get there? And what is the action items I have to take from A to B to C and so on? No, no doubt. So... I, I, this is going to be a good interview because you're young. You're 24. You have 35 employees. Give me an idea of what the structure is of your business right now. Yeah, it's, uh, so we have pretty much two acquisition departments. We initially started a while back the whole like virtual acquisition. We drifted away from it. So all the acquisition people are actually like Tampa-based people. I think there's more quality and conversations. If you have people that are local, you know, especially if they go to appointments, most of the negotiation happens in the appointment setting. Um, so if the acquisition team, we have a transaction coordinator that's now moving into the title company, a disposition team, we have an in-house construction team, property management, asset management, we just hired an in-house attorney, 
uh, in our marketing team. And then we're also having on in, in Europe, basically right now, we're having an entire team over there because we are funding a lot of deals with capital from overseas. So we have attorneys, bookkeepers, marketing team over there that is, you know, creating websites and building relationships with clients to raise capital from overseas. So there's also an, a good portion of people that is that is employed in Italy right now um, because a lot of the funds are coming from there. So I would say, you know, 20, 30 percent of them are overseas and everything else is in-house here currently in, in Tampa. What uh, give us an idea of the volume that you do and how many units are you doing a month, a quarter, a year? What does that look like? Yeah, so because we do pretty much everything, right? We do wholesales, innovation, fix and flip turnkeys, probably do like 20, 30 deals a month. Now, obviously, the market is turning. We are getting more conservative on some of the fix and flips. We're kind of stepping away right now just to see where the price is going to balance before we start racking us with 20 deals. And then tomorrow, the market is going to, you know, turn. Yeah. Um, to rack up on the on the turnkey side. But a lot of investors are now the same boat, you know, just stepping out. They say, hey, I want to wait two months, see what's happening. So the deal volume has dropped. By average, we're doing 15 to 20 um, deals a month. So this is, you know, basically the team is structured to do 15 deals, right? Our construction team is capped at 15, 20 deals a month that it can consistently turn around. So the entire business is, is made, you know, the acquisition side, how many points of contacts do we hit to have actual 15 signed deals on a monthly basis that work. Now on the wholesale side, it always varies, right? You have months, so you do more, months, so you do less. There, there isn't really a focus. We're not like a wholesale focused company. We just wholesale business. Uh, deals that don't necessarily fit our buy box, but they might fit somebody else. We are more focused on, you know, buying rentals, doing fix and flip on the turnkey side. But, you know, you always wholesale something. So there isn't really like much structure to it because we don't spend a lot of marketing into it right now. It just comes across our desk and we, we wholesale certain things too. So when you say you're not spending a lot of money on marketing, how are you driving in your business, your leads? What does that look like? And what are you spending to drive the business in? Good question. I think it has changed a lot. A couple months back, we were really heavy in um, texting, cold calling, RVMs, all these things, right? Then in August, TCPA regulations came in, have changed the game a little bit. Uh, we're now going back to like relationship management, building relationships with other investors, realtors, and other real estate professionals in this area, getting us deals, you know, educating them on our buy box, right? I always tell our guys, in a downturning economy, the people who educate and the people who dominate, right? So we're starting to educate real estate agents, educate other wholesalers. Like this is what we need to sell buy box. This is how we look at deals. If you want to stay in business, bring us those deals, right? So we do like the whole reverse coaching to our competitors to actually be an extension of our acquisition team. Right now, you can also pick up a bunch of deals on the MLS, right? There's short sales, pre-foreclosures coming in. You're still doing SEO marketing. You're still doing calling, texting. Um, we actually started having our guys door knock now because I think going back to like the one-on-one -on -one conversation, you know, we're pulling a pre-foreclosure list and versus, you know, texting them, we just really door knock them and, and talk to them on the spot and see what happens. So we're going back from, you know, the mass marketing to more the relationship-based quality yeah. versus quantity. So we are kind of like adjusting with the market, right? What is, uh, do you have a lead management department that's managing the leads as they come in or is your acquisition department quasi lead management and acquisition at the same time? Yeah, we had a lead management department, which we still have on the virtual side. So we have some VAs that like pre-qualify some of those leads and we do like mass campaigns on the texting side, right? There's gonna be like a, a qualifying criteria. So they pre-qualify them and then push them through the CM to the acquisition team. But all the stuff that the acquisition managers are doing, I have them basically handle some of the lead management and the acquisition at the same time. 
because I think, you know, we had it separated for a while. We had a lead manager and acquisition manager, but I think we moved a lot of the, the lead managers now into the acquisition position so they can get full, you know, commission payments. So they're basically handling their own deals. If you always open it up, if you have like really great performers and we see like they're booked with a bunch of appointments and they're not backing up on their, in the lead generation, then we start adding like lead managers for them specifically because they're overperforming the average, right? But for, as a starting position, everyone is just like on the acquisition side, there's VAs helping them out, but I want them to like be upfront, underwrite the deal, negotiate the upfront, handling the objectives. I think that's the most learning for them to be, you know, quality salespeople moving forward. How many, uh, how many acquisitions people do you have in your team right now? Currently we have eight. eight. So you have eight guys and how do you go about paying them? Is it, is it a salary? Is it draw versus commission? What does that look like? Yeah, so acquisition is usually just commission only. We give them 15% of net profits. We, we moved up from 5% a while ago to 15 now, just to make it more competitive. On the, we have two acquisition manager that are managing like a team of four. And those ones are on a salary and they're getting a commission on the net profits of the department. But every acquisition person itself is commission only because the acquisition position for some reason is the most turnaround, right? You always have people come by, new people coming in. We also never stop hiring for this. The job posting is always out there because you never know when a great salesperson you know, loses a job and you want to go back to a different company. So we always keep that open. There's always turnaround, right? People get bored or find other opportunities. They're all 1099 contractors in a way. Uh, once we see somebody's really engaged and committed, we try to incentivize them to stay and open opportunities for them to stay to figure out what happens you know, based on their circumstances. But most of the time, they're all just commission-based and you know, it's a sales position. If, if you want to make ten, twenty thousand dollars a month, right? It's just a reverse math. How many people do you need to contact and convert into appointments to get to that position, right? It's not really science. If you're a good salesperson, you can make a lot of money. And this is where we try to incentivize people. Like if you're really as good as you are, because at the interview, everyone is like, oh, I'm a great salesperson. I closed 60 deals last year, right? I'm like, well, if you close 60 deals, why are you so worried about a salary, right? If you close 60 right. deals. At twenty thousand dollars, you'll make a lot of money. You'll be good. So that's what we try to incentivize. And you know, with the economy moving right now, more more jobs are uh, open. I guess like more people are losing their jobs. So there's more people like going back to finding those kind of positions at affordable rates. And I think we have to take advantage of that. Your sales guys, do you have to get licensed as a realtor or not licensed? We don't require it. It is good if they are. I mean, I would say 80% of our guys have a license. There's a couple like newer ones that just had the drive, the ambition and the motivation to start. So we just got them involved without the license, but they're still working underneath the brokerage that we own in a way that the main broker, the acquisition manager is managing them, making sure that everything is smooth. Because bottom line is all they need to do is they have to find deals, negotiate deals, the whole transaction coordination, all these things, filling out contracts is done with the native transaction department. So we don't have to really worry about them you know, doing something wrong in the contract. They just have to find deals and set appointments. Got it. So give me an idea. I know you said it's more relationship building now. You were doing a lot of RVMs and a lot of texting and cold calling. What are you having your guys do in the acquisition side now? Are they going out door knocking? I know you said they're going out and, and door knocking sellers. Are they are they hitting up realtors constantly? Like what's the value add to the realtors that you guys are bringing? Because there's a million there's a million guys like us to do what we do. Why would you, why would the realtors want to give you the business versus somebody else? That's a good question, right? We still do pretty much all marketing channels just to see like what's happening. You know, every week something changes, every month something changes. So we still do the whole texting, 
what the things we have added, I guess, is like the door knocking, right? We have not done this for a while, built a like close-up relationship. But we also have the whole like realtor blast, realtor reach outs. Um, I think where you add value to realtors right now is they're in the same boat, right? They're getting a bunch of leads, but they're not converting them into closed deals because they're putting on the MLS and nothing really happens to it, right? So now they're not used to this anymore because the last couple of years, they just had all the leverage. They could sell in the end market for more than they wanted and they didn't want to work with investors. Now this is not opening anymore for them. So what we're seeing is a lot of realtors are coming back to us. They reached out a while back and asking us if you're still buying, right? Because now they're looking for these serious investors, these serious people with actually cash, right? So we're now going back again, educating them. Hey, I know it's tough for you right now. You're not necessarily selling a lot of your deals, but if you find something that fits this criteria, we're going to be a buyer for you and we're going to make sure you get double side commission, right? So we're incentivizing them, finding our deals, making sure they get the, the 3% on both sides because yeah, we're buying a discounted. So we're going to make sure that they also get the commission. We always factor this in, in the initial underwriting. So there's never an issue giving them 6%, but you know, we're incentivizing them. Like we are, we're here, we're still buying. This is our buying criteria. If you want to work for us, this is how it works. And this is where we see adding value to them. And it seems also like a lot of realtors aren't really educated on, you know, how to use the MLS the right way and how to actually find off-market deals how to build out a business plan for themselves to be successful. So we're kind of in a way teaching them to make sure that they know what they're doing. So it's an acquisition extension to us. I love it. I love it. It sounds like a game plan. What is your average commission, average profit on your wholesale deals? On the wholesales, we're trying to stay at 20,000. That's usually like where we, you know, when we do the pre-offer um, underwriting, we, we factor in a $20,000 profit for the end investor still to buy. And that's just what our market um, is able to to capture. Right? Tampa is it's not necessarily super cheap market, but it's also not a high end market, right? You need 450, like a medium house range. So there's at least twenty thousand dollars. Now the fix and flip, we're usually trying to push more for thirty or forty because there is you know always something going on in construction. You have ten thousand dollars or more that you spend, so you're obviously a lot more conservative there. But in the wholesale slash innovation, twenty thousand is usually our bottom line. Twenty thousand is number good, man. Good. And when you guys, you have a construction company too, in-house? Yeah. Is that a full construction company or are you a paper contract? Like you have actual guys working in the construction company or do you have a PM managing subs on the outside? What does that look like? So no, these are actually in-house, they're all in salary. It's a bunch of subcontractors and then a property manager and an asset manager. So the asset manager pretty much handles the property manager and the property manager handles all the, the subcontractors. That is mainly for just like the fix and flips, right? When we do those 20 deals, we have all guys go in there and pretty much do everything. We order it on volume. Uh, sometimes, you know, there's certain stuff like electrician or plumbing where we have to outsource or like on the roof side, and if you have to replace a roof, but like the basic, basic work can be done in-house, right? If you have, like I said, like a roof, yes, of course, we hire a roofing company. If we do new construction, we have a partnership with a new construction development company. They can help us there. They usually come in as a joint venture. So we, we're not necessarily able to do like new construction in-house, but on the whole like flip flip side, making it retail uh, accessible. This is what we what we can do in-house. I love it, man. I love it. And you're, uh, how are you going about, like if your acquisition managers are out in the field and they have a property that they're taking down to fix and flip. Mm -hmm. well, first of all, who determines if it's a fix and flip or wholesale? What are you, what are you doing inside your company to do that? Yeah, so the acquisition manager usually submits it up to the, uh, sorry, the acquisition specialist submits it to the acquisition manager. They review it. 
And then, you know, if they have questions, it goes up to me as the CEO under, underwriting it or making sure like, hey, what we should do. Obviously, I educate them. I give them like certain criteria of what we look for on the fix and flip side, on the rental side. Um, but it's always like a cross communication from them to the manager to us, right? But you're, you're really pushing them right now and educating our acquisition people more on the seller financing side, being able to, to pitch terms, right? Because... If you're studying the market, um, there's like $29 trillion in equity right now. So it's a totally different market than 2008. And 95% of that equity is secured at less than 4% interest rates on, on their mortgage, 30-year yep. fixed mortgage, right? So if you think about that, you're going to enter a recession environment where a panic sale is going to happen. It's just natural what most humans do. You see it on the stock market all the time. So a lot of properties are now entering the market, but they are not going to be the buyers taking those properties away. So now you as an investor, you have the leverage coming in and basically telling them, hey, I can take your property at your asking price, but I need terms. Like, why would I pay off the bank if you have $300,000 in the mortgage for the next 23 years? I just take over the payments, pay all the equity or even finance all the equity. It allows us to be so much more in, in, in leverage when having those negotiation conversations. But it goes back again to who educate is going to dominate, right? Because nobody really understands subject to seller financing. They're all like, are you trying to like scam me? I'm like, no, you have to educate them on that stuff. But yeah, or real estate is going to change. You have to really be able to educate and you have to be able to adopt. It's going to be a whole different environment. The whole wholesale stuff, you know, sending out 50,000 messages and getting all these deals and flooding them out in the market. It's not going to work anymore. You have to be smart and you have to actually understand real estate moving forward to be really sustainable and add value in a downturning economy. You, you uh, at 24 years old, it's impressive, man. You have your shit together at 24. What so I, you're 25? What is it? Did you say 25 or 24? I'll turn 25 next year, March, so still 24. Still 24. And I read in your bio, you were a uh, you went to school, you were a, a track runner for Nike. Yeah, I was a professional track and field athlete. I competed at the University of Oregon, which is you know Nike headquarters, Track Town USA. So for the last five years, that was pretty much my main focus. Um, I was running the business while doing track and field. I still going to school, you know, doing all these things. Um, focus, which, bro. That's the key yeah. focus right there. No doubt. A lot of work. And obviously, like, I would have not been able to accomplish any of that without my wife, right? We both were working full time. It was just like two, one brain and two bodies, pretty much, uh, working that together all day, every day, late nights, sacrifice, right? We, Looking back at my college time, I definitely did not go out partying. I had this like typical college lifestyle. That was for us. We, I went trained twice a day, went to school. While I was in school, I just worked, right? And then I came home and we just grinded Monday through Sunday. Yeah, um, let, let me ask you this, bro, because you, you are young and you haven't seen a downturn in the economy. Are you concerned at all that you're growing too fast? And this isn't a, a trick question and it's not, I'm not questioning your ability to think, just overall. You have 35 people. You, you yeah. grew quick in two years. And yeah. Just just by speaking to you briefly, you have your shit together for sure. But are you concerned at all that your your growth may hurt you because of the way in which you've been scaling so quick in an economy that's going down? You know, it's, it's a great question, right? It's one of the questions that is summing in my mind every single day, right? Because yes, I've not been through 2008. I've studied the statistics. I've talked to people that went through it to to ease my path through the upcoming recession and try to be prepared as possible. But that's a really good question, right? You always have your plan B, plan C, where you might have to like let people go. You might have to like look at your numbers again and see who is really, really, really important, right? Can you like temporarily outsource certain things? Right. You know, 
construction team, you can always outsource contractors to cut off the salary. So there are some plan Bs and Cs in place on the other side, right? We're just trying to, to march through that market and being able to sustain, right? So by adopting, right? Learning how to use seller financing, those kind of things will help our acquisition people to sustain through this uh, environment using, you know, buying strategic rentals on, you know, building out a rental portfolio. It's not necessarily cash flowing, but in the long run, it's going to help us. And I guess like another thing we're, we're trying to do is also, you know, offering services because we have everything in house. We can now outs- offer it outside. Like have people go and use our title company, have people use our property management, right? Mentoring people through this entire circumstances, but also on the acquisition side, we're focusing more, and this might sound silly, right? We're focusing more on the bigger deals, like portfolios, multifamily, because that's the most equity to be made, right? Like on the single family side, you're always chasing those deals. You always have to go high volume. Like right now, as an example, it's uh, basically working on an entire subdivision that we're trying to buy down in, in South Tampa, which is it's a great deal. The, the developer passed away. It moved along to his son, who's not in real estate at all. And he has no idea what to do. It's like 18 homes that are already like pretty much done. You just have to finish him and 23 vacant lots. And it's a, the value of this entire project when it's done is uh, $52 million. And you're coming in at $16 million purchase price of the entire thing. So, but once you complete the 18 homes, we, we're going to sell them in three, four months at even like a 20% market correction, you're still going to get $23 million back. So pretty much we're getting all the money back and then we just have 23 lots for free. Yes, we have the construction cost, but whatever happens, even if you wait two years, it's free lots. We just develop them later on. And then there's like, you know, $10 million in equity or 80, actually $20 million in, in net equity. So, you know, those deals are able to help us sustain. Now, because we're getting a million dollars up front as an acquisition fee and because our brokerage gets 3%, you know, that helps the acquisition department. Yeah. You stay alive on the other side we are raising money as equity partners. So like we don't even pay interest on in those deals because everyone that comes in that deal is going to sit there and they're going to get the interest laid on as, you know, as a payback when it's done and they get um, commission, not commission, sorry, they get equity on the actual net profits, right? So we start raising money this way to to reduce the risk on, on bigger projects, right? Because the way that you get screwed over is if you have $30,000, $50,000 interest payments every yeah. single month. So we're bringing equity partners wasn't as easy, but it seems like there's a demand for this as well. Um, so with equity partners doing higher deals with more equity, you know, sustaining that economy, I think there's there's a lot of value to add um, on the multifamily side. I'm a huge fan of it, and I think it's going to be a game changer, right? With that in t- economy turning, I think, think the rental market is going to be more sustainable, and hedge funds are always looking for yield. So if you start raising money on those bigger multifamilies, as long as you can operate and syndicate them, I think you'll be able just to turn around deals and I think they will still stay consistent because of the rental demand, right? You're going to enter a rental market. So shifting your mindset a little bit of like, hey, just like trying to wholesale is like what what else is out there? Real estate is so big. I mean, there's always opportunities. And so this is what what I'm trying to do is like, you know, going through this market, see what happens, see if we have to adapt. Max, let me me ask you this. Do you you have, I know it's you and your wife, do you have a CEO, a COO or a CFO inside your business? Yeah, so we it's me and my wife, then as a business partner of ours, so I'm the COO, my business partner is the CEO. So there's you know two different brains making decisions. We had a CFO, uh, we're trying to let, let go of him because he's not really putting the work and the effort in. He usually bounces back to myself and my business partner doing his work, so there's no real reason for it, but it's between both of us. 
I'm more on the operational side, um, the integrator, and he's more the visionary. Uh, this is why he's the CEO, right? So we, we merged our businesses there together and, uh, you know, sustaining through this entire economy. So with, with the all the, because you have a lot of shit going on, you have a lot of different units, you have a lot of different businesses, all related to real estate. When you're looking at your overall P&Ls, you're looking at them on an individual case-by-case business basis, not an, an overall holistic, like this is what all the companies are doing, this is what my lines of businesses are doing, so you can quickly identify the profitability of each department? Yeah, yeah, it's always department-based every single month, because we're also charging the departments, right? So like if yeah. we do like a title, well, we don't necessarily pay for our title work, but we still charge the departments, right? So like the acquisition has to make the money to pay the title company or the property management. So we still charge between departments, just like if you do it outside to make sure every department is profitable. Sure. Um, we always track it on each side and then obviously go in the big picture, see what this company producing. But yeah, definitely. Smart, bro. Smart, brother. I mean, you have your shit dialed in. You're growing pretty quick. Just, you know, I, I love the growth. I love the vision. I love the fact you guys are doing it. Just be smart and be careful. Keep your eyes open. You don't want to grow too fast because your top line, if you're growing the shit out of your business, your top line is revving up. But your bottom line is like not there. You're yeah, not going to totally agree. It's, it's the time to sustain. That's yeah. We always say you need to sustain. So I'm not necessarily focused on growing much more. It's more like how do we sustain, stay efficient, make us more efficient with what we have, and you know see what the the market is bringing in the next three four months. Max, what? How can people find you online if they wanted to reach out and talk to you? Yeah, great question. So we have a uh, social media. We're actually in the process right now of, of starting pretty much the social media brand mentoring all these things. So pretty much it's just Katie Dash Max Dash Volmer. Um, so my wife's name and my name and then our last name uh, for Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. So we start putting out a lot of free content out there on a day to day. What are we working on? What projects are we working on? So we'll be giving a lot of free content out there to hopefully give guidance to people going through this and we're sharing the daily struggles so they can find us on those social media tools. And obviously they can always reach out, direct message us um, on those tools as well. And we're open for meetings or helping people out because I know when we started we utilize a lot of help and I'm happy to give back help um, for people that are struggling right now they might not have the same network and you and I be there and, and you know help advise and recommend certain things this was great bro you're a young entrepreneurial stud and where's the accent from what are you German yep I was born in Germany <laughs> you sound like uh, who's the guy from Rocky Balboa you're too young Rocky Four. <laughs> Rocky for um, he was a Soviet though. He was Soviet Union. He was in Germany. <laughs> you got the same accent, bro. I wish you nothing but the best. You're crushing it. Just be careful. Keep your eyes open. Make sure you're not just looking at your top line. Look at that bottom line and uh, be prepared. It's Absolutely. not going to be a tsunami like 2008, but it is going to be a definite change. And those that are not ready for it are going to get hit with the tidal wave and they're going to get fucked. I agree. Be smart. Hi, brother. Good chat and good interview. Good seeing you. Good meeting you. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Unstoppable Real Estate Investing Wealth. My mission is to give you, my listeners, the blueprint for success, the insider secrets for starting, growing, and scaling your real estate investing business so you can experience and live the unstoppable lifestyle. I've made it simple for you. To catapult yourself to success, Go to billyssecrets.com. That's B-I-L-L-Y-S secrets.com. There you will find every single tool, 
tip, trick, strategy, system, and secret used to make millions of dollars as a real estate investor. Everything my team uses and my guests use all in one place for you to tap into so you can start, grow, and scale your real estate investing business. I really hope you implement what you're learning. I hope you utilize these tools, tips, tricks, strategies, and secrets, and I hope to see you on the next episode. God bless. Bye-bye.